So much has changed since last Easter. The world has been shaken. Life has been disrupted. What we once called normal seems like it may never return. It's been easy to be discouraged, to lose hope, to feel the foundations of our faith begin to crumble. It's hard to keep our feet planted when the ground beneath feels like shifting sand. Now more than ever, we need to stand on the truth of Easter, a day which changed our eternity, changed our world forever. Death was defeated by life. Sin was consumed by mercy. The grave was swallowed up by victory. See, even in the darkest of moments, the love of Jesus could not be stopped. His faithfulness could not be broken. And when the dust settled, Jesus, he stood alive and victorious. Today, may we remember the truth of Easter, the power of the resurrection, and the promise of eternity. Yes, the world has been shaken, but the grave, it's still empty. And Jesus, he's still risen. Certainly a lot has happened in the last year, and as much as we are celebrating, and we do celebrate uh, the privilege and the opportunity to be here this morning, uh, I'm also sensitive and I also recognize that for many, uh, these are still very, very challenging times. Um, you know, for a, a while, again, last Easter, we couldn't even be here. This was an empty building, and then we were able to go uh, outside on the patio and then few weeks back, we were doing Sunday services here, and, and then lo and behold, Easter, we're here. And so we do celebrate that, but uh, we also recognize that, uh, you know, there are still uh, many people, perhaps in this room, outside, watching online, listening later in the week, uh, that these are still very turbulent times for you, very unsettled times, um, confusing times, discouraging times. Maybe you're even still a bit angry. Um, you know, and it still affects everyone. Uh, as a youth pastor for many, many years, you know, the last year for me, I've had a special place in my heart for the teenagers and uh, what this has meant for them. And then uh, across all the different age brackets and, and uh, college kids and, and people in and out of work, starting and stopping, and, you know, not to mention just the, the health issues and, and everything that's going on. So uh, we celebrate uh, being together, but my prayer and my, my hope for us as we look at the resurrection and the truth of it in the history of Earth's timeline, that you would leave here greatly encouraged. That you would, uh, as Jesus rose from the dead, uh, that you would find that you can choose to rise above circumstance. Whatever circumstance you happen to be in as you join us this morning, the, the truth is, because of the resurrection, you too can rise above it. You can rise above it. And that's my hope and that's my prayer. We've been together uh, for 11 years as a church, so, uh, you know, this is my 11th uh, Easter with you. 
And uh, if you were to go back 11 years of Easter sermons, you would pretty much go, I think he goes through the same notes every Easter. I think like he just pulls it out, you know, and you know, I'm not going to lie. Easter story doesn't change. Um, but what does change from year to year is, I, I, well, you know, the truth of the res- resurrection and celebrating it. That's, that's, that's the constant. But what I do do in the week leading up to Easter is I say, Lord, where are we as a church? Where are we as a country? Where are we as a state? Just, Lord, what is, what is the heart? What is your heart? What is your word for us in the context of the resurrection for 2021? So, uh, you know, it's not necessarily just like, you know, I have one in the, in, the, in the can and I pull it out and I just go, oh, yeah, you know, I just changed the date, save as 2021, right? I don't do that. Uh, the challenging part is say, Lord, where are we today? And, you know, in light of current circumstances, again, my prayer is that, you know, if you've been a believer for any length of time, you know the resurrection story. And my challenge to you this morning is don't check out. Sometimes... Uh, you know, we, we become so familiar with Bible stories that we come to church and we kind of even go through an Easter service and we sort of are half present because you know where you're going to go. You know what verses are going to be said. You might even remember uh, what I said last. And, and there's a tendency in not just church, but just in school or at home, right? How many of you uh, youngsters growing up, maybe even present tense, how many of you when you get in trouble, how many of you already know the lecture that's coming from mom or dad? You know what they're going to say. You know exactly, right? How many of you know that? And because you know it so well, either you're about to say it before them or you say it with them, but kind of because you're so familiar with the lecture that's coming, you check out. It doesn't resonate the same way as the first time, right? And, you know, they, unless they throw in a wrinkle like lecture 2.0, then you're like, oh, that's a new one. Mom didn't say that last time I got in trouble, you know? And so uh, really my heart is, you know, the, the resurrection, we're going to walk through it again. It's very foundational. It's just like the heaven series. If you don't understand the theology and the importance of the resurrection as a follower of Jesus, it's going to impact your life as you sit here, and then when you leave the doors, it really does, right? I, I look at the resurrection, and we're going to see this. Uh, it, it, there's, there's two points. One is fixed, meaning, and we're going to see this, that the resurrection has to have happened in the timeline of Earth's history. That's the fi- a fixed point. In the Earth's history timeline, there's a fixed point of an event called the resurrection, and we're going to see biblically, if that fixed point isn't there, you should not be here. I say this every year. You should not be here. If this fixed point called the, called the resurrection did not happen in the actual timeline of Earth's history, why are you here? Because I won't be here. Right? I'll go watch soccer or I'll go watch, you know, I'll grieve UCLA's loss, whatever, you know. But I won't be here because... None of this matters if the resurrection didn't happen as a fixed point in Earth's timeline. Now, the other point is kind of like a volume slider or a, or a, a moving along this, which means the resurrection happened, but every day the resurrection matters. So there's a slider, which brings us up to April 4th, 2021. And for you as a believer, that slider will move tomorrow. 
Resurrection is a fixed point, but then there's a resurrection slider, I call it, which progresses every day. And that's kind of the theme that you hear from me every year, and we're going to kind of look at it again, because you have to understand this. You have to understand and really believe. It really comes down to belief. Do you really believe that Jesus rose from the dead? And what are the implications of that in 2021? Right? So let's begin foundationally in 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4. The Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Corinth. He says, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scripture. So foundationally, the word gospel means what? Good news. You have to understand, foundationally, when you are sharing the good news, it's not limited to, hey, Jesus died for you. Most of us, I'm guessing, when someone tried to share their faith with you, they said, hey, Jesus died for you. Hey, God loves you so much. Jesus died for you. Hey, God so loved the world, Jesus died for you. And we stop short of really the full gospel. So yes, Jesus did die for us, but according to this passage, the gospel also includes that he what? Rose from the dead. See, and this is again where if you don't get that foundationally, it can set you adrift because you put your faith in Jesus as your savior, someone who died for you, but now your faith is in a past tense event, that he died for you, but if you forget that he rose from the dead, then you just, okay, I guess now Christianity is being a good moral person, being better than I was, but I'm going to heaven because I put my faith in Jesus because of something he did for me, he died for me. If you don't understand that the gospel, the truth of the good news is that he also rose from the dead, you're not going to live in victory. You're still going to be stuck in the muck and mire of circumstance, and you're not going to rise above feelings, rise above emotions, rise above circumstance, because you're stuck with, Jesus died for me. You've got to fully embrace. Embrace the gospel good news. He died for you, and he rose from the dead. Amen? So, we have to settle that. We also have to settle the the historical fact. Because, like I said, if, if there's no fixed point... The Bible itself, this is not my opinion, the Bible itself says, why are you here? That's my paraphrase, but let me tell you what the Bible says. 1 Corinthians 15, 13 to 17. But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. It's inescapable. The resurrection, the the historical fact or the historicity of the resurrection takes Christian faith, Orthodox Christian faith, out of myth and legend and religiosity. 
out of, well, it just makes me a better person. The historicity, the historical fact of the resurrection kind of eliminates all wiggle room. And I'll be honest with you, uh, you know, I shared this last Sunday. Uh, many of you know my story. I went to college at UCLA, was going to be a lawyer, went to a year of uh, law school in San Diego, got saved. Uh, and part of my journey of coming to faith in Jesus was looking at this resurrection thing. Because I read this passage. And I was like, well, it's pretty clear to me. I better settle this issue. I better settle this issue. You know, I wasn't going to just believe it because my girlfriend slash fiance, now wife, believed it. You know, I wasn't just going to go with the flow. No, you know, I was, I, um, you know, I'm in law school and I'm learning to be pretty critical and pretty suspicious and pretty argumentative. And so, you know, I, I got resources and I was like, let me check out this historical fact of the resurrection. Because if I'm going to base my eternity on this, you know, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. If I'm reading Christianity correctly, I better settle some issues. I got to settle some stuff. I'm not just going to slide into Christianity just because it's a good thing to do. No. Eternity's at stake. Daily life is at stake. Okay? So I want to encourage you. Wherever you are, maybe you're listening, maybe you're still you're here and you're celebrating, but maybe deep down you're just a little bit like not settled. Plenty of resources out there. For me, in uh, was it the 90s, late 80s, early 90s, as I was doing my research, you know, uh, Josh McDowell's resources, evidence that demands a verdict, the resurrection factor, lots of great resources out there that challenged me as a seeker non-believer. And that's what I was, and I was like, okay, let me check this out. Because it's inescapable. You can't be wishy-washy about the historical fact of the resurrection. Either it did or it didn't. And the implications go with that slider. Okay? Verse 20 says this, But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen. I've shared with you in years past from the Christian Research Institute uh, something I came across way back again as an early believer in my journey that the resurrection is the greatest feat in history. What is a feat? It's an extraordinary act or achievement. All right? So it has helped me for 30 plus years, right? F, fatal torment. Jesus actually died. E, empty tomb. Tomb was actually empty. A, appearances. We're going to focus on appearances this, uh, this particular Easter. It says 1 Corinthians 15, 6 to 7. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. And T, in F-E-A-T, stands for transformation. If you read the Gospels, you see that the apostles go from cowardly fearing for their lives to just these incredible courageous guys become martyrs. Saul becomes Paul, right? Transformation. 1 Corinthians 15, 8 through 9. Last of all, this is Paul speaking, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. So in some years, I spend a lot more time on the historical, you know, legal historical evidence for the resurrection. Uh, today, I just want to share with you this, this focus on appearances, 
appearances, right? So 1 Corinthians 15, 8 through 9 says this again. And that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me, for I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. So in verse 6, he says, he appeared, Jesus appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, then says, most of whom are still alive. Okay? It's very important because the apostle Paul was writing this approximately 23 years after the resurrection happened. Only 23 years. So here's a way to understand the importance of that verse, because most when, when people say most of whom are still alive, we kind of just skip that. So imagine this. Imagine you graduated. Um, Bill, what, what year did you graduate in high school? <laughs> 73. Okay, 73. So if you graduated from high school, whatever, go, go, back, to, go back to that graduation year. So 23 years later, Okay, 23 years later on social media, one of your classmates is just posting all kinds of stuff. All right? And all your cl class happens to be friends with this person, right? What he's saying is 23 years later, go ask them. Most of my classmates from class of 73 are still alive. Go ask them if what I'm saying is true. See, this is very important that this was written geographically and within uh, 23 years that these 500 people that he appeared to, most of them were still alive. They could corroborate it or they could have shut it down. That's the legal historical, that's a powerful legal historical argument for the event of the resurrection is that most of the class of 73 was still alive. And what he's saying here is go ask them. They're still kicking. Go, just go ask them if they saw Jesus. And then go ask her. They were there still. It was only 23 years later that he was claiming that Jesus rose from the dead. Most of the class of 73 could verify it. It's a very important verse. Very important verse for the historicity of the Bible. Okay, for the historicity of the Bible. Right? And then he says, it says, he, he goes on, he says, then he appeared, uh, last of all, as to one of timely born, he appeared also to me, for I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. So he's saying, hey, you know what? At one point, my name was Saul, and I was an enemy of the church. I persecuted. But now I'm claiming I saw him. So again, go back to the class of 73, and let's say Bill is posting something, and suddenly the guy in his class that hated Bill with a passion that stole Bill's lunch money, and like, you know, just, just an enemy of Bill in, the, in class of 73, 23 years later, he's like, no, no, I agree with him. And everyone would be like, but he was your enemy. That's kind of the point that Paul is making here. I was an enemy of the church. I persecuted the church. And now, 23 years later, I'm telling you, he appeared to me. That's why a lot of people in the early church stood up and said, isn't this, isn't this Saul? Isn't this the guy that was putting people in prison and, and, and destroying families? And, and 
Isn't this the guy who hated the church? And now he's claiming that Jesus appeared to him? Again, another powerful legal historical point, if you will, that the resurrection actually happened. In fact, in Acts 9, you're familiar with the Damascus Road experience, right? Saul is going along his way to go persecute more Christians, and he meets Jesus, and he says, who are you, Lord? And what does Jesus say? I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. He has this encounter with Jesus, personally. Radically changes his life. In 1 Corinthians 9, 1, he says, haven't I seen Jesus our Lord with my own eyes? So this enemy of Jesus, enemy of the church, is now professing the resurrection. I share that with you because, again, do you really believe it? Have you really settled the issue that what we're celebrating uh, this morning uh, applies to you and your station in life, your age, and it's not just good for the kids who are going to do an Easter egg hunt? Because, again, if we're not careful, the resurrection becomes something very, what we call VBS-ish, very childish, very childlike. And, you know, we forget that, you know, people from the class of 73, it still matters. But do you believe it? Do you believe it so much that it impacts your thoughts, your emotions, and your actions when you leave here? Because it should. It should. Dr. Simon Greenleaf was the royal professor of law at Harvard University. He examined the value of the historical evidence for the resurrection of Jesus Christ to ascertain the truth. Greenleaf came to the conclusion that, according to the laws of legal evidence used in courts of law, there is more evidence for the historical fact of the resurrection of Jesus Christ than for just about any other event in history. Josh McDowell says this, a believer in Jesus Christ today can have the complete confidence, as did those first Christians, that his faith is based not on myth or legend, but on the solid historical fact of the empty tomb. Amen? It is that belief and that confidence, I will tell you right now, that can supernaturally impact you as you sit here and then when you leave. It's your choice. It's your choice. So why, why is the resurrection important in this slider, right? If it happened here in the timeline of earth's history and we slide all the way up to April 4th, 2020, uh, 2021, why does it matter? Well, Romans 4.23 says this, but the words that was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses, okay, there's Good Friday, and raised for our justification, that's used to raised for our justification. A, little, a few weeks ago, if you were here, we talked about the word justified. What does it mean to be justified? It means it's a legal declaration. When you put your faith in Jesus, you, it, God, the judge, makes a legal declaration. Not guilty, fully righteous. Amen? That's what it means to be justified. And, and, and I shared at that point, I said, well, how do I know that payment that Jesus paid for me on Good Friday, how do I know that that payment was accepted? Okay? 
Well, that's what verse 25 is. Go ahead, Jordan, you can put that up. It says, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. This is one of those theological, you know, well, how does this gospel thing work? Is it just like believe it and it's just pie in the sky? No, I'm, I'm, we're, we're like getting back to how it works. We're stripping back and go, how does it work? What's the connection between Jesus dying and Easter and me going to heaven, right? Well, here's how it works. Jesus made a payment, okay? And I shared this with you before, and, and I, this, this still impacts me, and maybe it'll impact you. Jesus made a payment. So how many of you use a credit card regularly, right? Slide it into the slot. How many of you still get a little bit nervous as you wait? Okay? So slide the card in, right? Insert card, and you're just waiting, right? After a few moments, what does it usually say? Payment approved, please remove card, right? Here's the thing. Card goes in on Good Friday. Easter is payment approved, please remove card. Amen? So I share with you, this is, this is really, this kind of gives me a kick every time I go shopping. Because every time I go shopping, I, I'm, it's Good Friday and Easter all over again. I sit there and I'm like, boom. And then it says payment approved. I go, yeah. And I remember resurrection. It's a great tool. Someone I shared this a few years ago says, you know that credit card when, you, when it says payment approved and you pull out the card and you celebrate the resurrection and you go into heaven? I do that. That is so cool, right? Every time you put it in there and it says payment approved, take out your card, just go, thank you, Jesus, <laughs> that I'm going to heaven. Amen? It's payment approved. Chris, Easter is about payment approved. Remove the body from the tomb. So I'm not, I, I don't know, maybe I'm just fun, funny that way, but I go to the gas station, resurrection, coal, you know, Ross, resurrection, you know, everywhere I pay, like payment approved, except for the one time I went to Costco. <laughs> and I love how they try to be really nice. Hey, bro, your car didn't go through. Want to try it again? How many of you have had that moment of panic? And you're like, oh, it must be a bank error. <laughs> oh, I don't know. You know, it was my bad. But, um, but I have felt that moment of payment declined. You're like, oh, my gosh, this is so embarrassing, right? And you try to, like, funnel around. Oh, how about you take a debit card, right? But payment approved. And take that with you. If you want a, a real-world experience everywhere you go, every time you put your card in, it says payment approved, you say thank you, Jesus, for rising from the dead. Thank you, Father, that because he rose from the dead, you accepted his penalty for me. It's a radical way to like live the truth of the resurrection. In the, in the mundane things, paying for gas, paying for groceries, whatever. It's a cool thing. And right there it says payment approved. That's what Romans 4.25, payment approved. And then Romans 5.1 says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have what? Peace with God. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. How many of you are so happy that this morning you have peace with God? No matter what happens. No matter what happens today until you put your head down on your pillow. You have peace with God. Whew. Right? You have peace with God. So why does the, why does the resurrection matter April 4th, 2021? Because we're freed from the penalty of sin. Payment approved. Freed from the penalty of sin. Number two, we're freed from the power of sin. 
And this is where we get to rise above circumstance. Romans 6, 4, and 5. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Jordan, you can leave that up. Verse 4. We are buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as, everyone say just as, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too, everyone say we too, might walk in newness of life. When was the last time you equated your life with the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Because according to that verse, just as me too. Everyone say, just as me too. That's, I don't even know how to explain that. Just as Christ was raised from the dead, me too can walk in newness of life. That word newness means never existed before. New quality of life. The way I explained this to you before, it's like uh, you ever go to a car show and they have the prototypes, the one that's never existed. How many of you have ever been to a car show or you see it on TV and like there's a prototype model and you're like, I hope they make that one. Right? That's new. Never existed before. That's what they're talking about when the Bible says you're a new creation. You're qualitatively. It's not like new as in the latest Honda Accord or new as in the 2022 Camry, but there's been a bunch of Camrys. When the Bible says you're a walk in newness of life, when the Bible says you are a new creation, it means you're the prototype that's never existed before. In Christ, you can have a supernatural, qualitative new life. Because just as, me too. So the question is, as you sit here and as you listen to this, as a follower of Jesus, are you just seeing yourself as one off the assembly line? Or are you like the brand new spanking prototype model that has never existed before? How do you see yourself? Right? Because how you see yourself and your understanding of that word new and your understanding of just as and me too could radically change your life right now. Like right now. You don't even have to wait. That's the power of the resurrection. Right? Because again, many of us, uh, we, we have these words and these pictures associated with being a Christian that really aren't true to what, what we're teaching, right? I call them a bunch of R words, okay? So let's see if this resonates with any of you as a follower of Jesus. Hey, man, what does it mean to be a, a, a Christian these days? Well, I'm religious. It's about rehabilitating my life. It's about re-education. It's about reformation. It's about renovation. See? How many of you would answer that, hopefully after this sermon, would say, hey man, what does it mean to be a Christian in 2021? Dude, it's about resurrection. What do you mean? Well, just as me too. To be a follower of Jesus isn't religion, rehabilitation, re-education, reformation, renovation. 
To be a follower of Jesus in 2021 is about resurrection life. It's about walking in newness of life. But see, we get stuck on HGTV and they highly renovate all these old houses. And many of you are just trying to get rid of like the new studs and put paint. You're trying to just paint over the old stuff. No. When Jesus comes in, it's resurrection. It's not renovation. That's why you can rise above just like he rose. But you got to believe it and you got to see yourself. You got to understand this is what Christianity is. This is, this is what lights us up. Right? But it's a choice. Here's the choice. Listen to this. Ephesians 4.22. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on, everyone say put on, the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So, choice is yours. Are you going to put off the old and put on the new? Or are you going to put on the old and just kind of drudge? It's just me. Just trying to live a renovated, reformed, rehabilitated life till I go to heaven and meet Jesus. Don't know what I'm going to look like when I get there because Bill hasn't told us just yet, but okay. You can put on the new self. We're supposed to, according to Ephesians 4, it says, command, put on. You wake up in the morning, put on the new self. What's the new self? Just as me too. What's the new self? New prototype. Never existed before. Qualitatively different. See, this is why, again, the resurrection, fixed point in history, payment approved, going to heaven, name written in the book of life, slides up to Ephesians, uh, to April 4th, 2021, resurrection life today. This is why it still matters. This is why we as the church can rise above the current circumstances in our country and the world. Not discounting it, not putting down, not trying to minimize the, the pain, the discomfort, the challenges that have come with the pandemic and the economics and everything, the political situation, all of that. It's all there. Might as well just say it. It's all there. You are face it. I face it too. It's real. But because of the resurrection, we can rise above it. Because Jesus rose, just as me too. We're not burying our head in the sand. We're actually coming up. <laughs> We don't have to get stuck in it because of the resurrection. I love this quote by Warren Wiersbe. Too many Christians are betweeners. They live between Egypt and Canaan, saved but never satisfied, or they live between Good Friday and Easter, believing in the cross but not entering into the power and glory of the resurrection. See, what he's saying there in so many words is that a whole bunch of Christians were stuck on Saturday, yesterday. You live in the world of Saturday. We don't live in the world of Easter, of resurrection. We believe Jesus died for us by faith, names written in the book of life, but we got stuck on Saturday. Until we go meet Jesus, we're just going to hang out on Saturday. The truth of the Bible, everything we've looked at today is come to Sunday. Come live on Sunday. When you wake up in the morning, your prayer time is like, thank you, Jesus, that I can put on the new self. Thank you, Jesus, that just as you, me too. 
Next time you go to buy something, whatever, pull out your card and go, woohoo, and just watch what people do. <laughs> just walk away, say thank you. Just like free people out. Yes, yes, right? Do one of those moments you just like with the cashier, like, what the heck, dude? You just bought bananas, right? It's like, no, you don't understand. Payment approved. Jesus, you, know, you get into the whole gospel with the cashier. Why are you so excited? Because payment approved. Jesus died, and this is, you know, you give them the whole Romans 4.25 thing. It's there. For, it's there for your taking. Honestly, this, it's there for your choosing. Because this is the life he wants for you. This is the resurrection life. This is the slider. April 4th, 2021. It slides all the way up. It's fixed. It happened in the history of time, Earth's timeline, and it matters today. But the choice is yours. So what we're going to do is uh, Vinny and Shiloh are going to come up, and they're going to sing a chorus to a, a wonderful song called Living Hope. First Peter 1, 3 through, through 5 says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Living hope. The word hope in the Bible is not finger-crossing, oh, I hope I win the lottery, oh, I'm so uncertain. That is not hope in the Bible. When the Bible says hope, it means confident expectation. It means eagerness. What this means is when your parents, when you were a young kid and said, hey, this Saturday we're going to Disneyland. How many of you were excited when your parents a week beforehand said, we're going to Disneyland? How many of you were eager? How many of you were excited for a week, right? That's biblical hope. It's confident expectation that leads to joy and eagerness and purpose in your life. So when we have a living hope, what it's saying is as Christians, we have living confidence. We have living eagerness. We have living joy. All because of the resurrection. It just bums me out as a pastor. You know, you're like, you know, you're talking to believers and they're just like, I'm like, where's your confidence? Where's your expectation? That's why I'm excited about heaven series. Because many of us don't have a living hope about heaven because we really have no clue about heaven. I shared with you before, many of us think heaven is like the longest church service ever. Like the never-ending church service. And you're like, yeah, let's go there, bro. We have a living hope because he's alive. Just as you too. Just as me too. So they're going to sing just a, a, a little bit of the song, but this is more of a time for you to reflect. Thank Jesus, that payment approved. Whatever God puts on your heart. Maybe you've been uh, consumed by circumstance, and maybe in this time now you say, I choose to rise above. I choose to put on the new self. I choose to believe that just as me too. Just... Whatever is God's putting on your heart right now, just talk to him. Talk to him. And maybe you're here and you've never put your faith in Jesus. Maybe the resurrection's been more, clear, you know, it's more clarified. You're like, oh, I get it. Jesus just didn't die for me. He rose from the dead so that the slider matters today. Maybe this is a time to you put your faith in Jesus. The Bible says we're saved by grace through faith. 
can't earn it. Just receive his gift today. Maybe in this time, say, Lord, the best way I know how, I'm putting my faith in you. I'm resting fully in your finished work. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose from the dead. Here I am. I trust you. Maybe that's what you do during this time. Whatever it is, let's just spend time talking to Father. Amen? Let's just do that.